Yo, Brian here coming to you from our attic from the first time. This is, uh, we set up a little seasonal uh, studio up here. My brother's got some piano and uh, we got some other instruments. And hey, make it a podcast studio too. We got two to three months where in kind of the spring and fall where we get the windows open, get a nice breeze, get a nice chill atmosphere in the attic. Uh, in the summer, it's like literally 110 degrees, and in the winter, it's 20, feels like 20 below, but um, I'm enjoying this weather. I feel like I complain a lot about the winter, but I don't think I would have it any other way because I just really appreciate uh, the days where it's like 50 and sunny and thinking about summer. I, I, I love the season, so uh, I, I'm I'm super excited about kind of turning in the season and the spring being here, but I'm also super excited about our guest on the Craft Hot Sauce podcast, Queen Majesty. Erica and I first met at the New York City Hot Sauce Expo in 2016, which is when I first sampled their hot sauce. And when I say a hot sauce is exploding or bursting with flavor, it sounds like super markety, but like it's true. And you can tell when you have these hot sauces that are exploding with that amazing flavor. And I think that comes from quality ingredients, comes from love and putting care into the process of what you make. Uh, and Erica's hot sauces, Queen Majesty's hot sauces are exploding with flavor. So you're going to hear more about them. Um, but I was super excited to talk shop with Erica and also learn more about the story uh, behind how they got to where they are today, but also what their future is going to be looking like. So we actually got their hot sauces stocked up on the Craft Hot Sauce Shop. So be sure to get some, try this hot sauce out if you haven't before. But to get into the podcast, we have Johnny Go Figure with Thing Like That. The whole song will be played at the end of our interview. Let's go. Erica, good morning. Good morning. Well, it's the last, when we're recording this, the last day of February. Uh, yes. Days are getting a little brighter, a little longer and warmer. Uh, but how are you today? Doing well. Thanks, Brian. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, this is a Sunday morning. Um, so I, I, I kind of have a, a ritual of my Sunday morning. I try not to, it's hard not to work sometimes when you're self-employed uh, and everything. But do you have kind of a, a Sunday ritual or... or try to take it a little easier on Sundays? I do. I I try not to set an alarm to wake up on Sundays at the very least, you know, because I'm waking yep. up to an alarm the rest of the week. So I just let myself wake up whenever. I try to, you know, plan my schedule out like that. And um, yeah, just take it easy. Today, I am actually at work. <laughs> I'm just wrapping up some loose ends for things. But I, but I also kind of like being at work by myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can be more productive that way and just, you know, kind of set the tone, get everything ready for uh, when my team comes in tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I'm really excited for this conversation. I think we're going to be touching on, on a range of, of topics. Um, but I, I did find out when we had a, a quick call earlier that you're from Buffalo, which, which is where my, my dad is from. And uh, my dad's a woodworker and artist, and you're a graphic designer and artist in, in many different ways. Um, 
but I would love to learn more about what were your, some of your earliest memories of kind of being pulled in by art. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, I was just one of those kids who grew up. I, I just always drew ever since I was a really little kid and, you know, colored in between colored in, in the lines really well, you know, just was really fascinated by coloring and, um, art in general. So I basically grew up as an artist, um, you know, had a, went to art, like art school outside of my high school, um, entered into some different art competitions, moved to New York City to pursue that, but then ended up kind of going more into the graphic design realm. Okay. Yeah. So it, it was, you went to FIT, right? Correct. Okay, cool. And was that, uh, obviously that's in, in, or maybe not obviously, but that, that's in New York city. Um, and did, did you have a lot of interaction with New York city before? Cause I, I just always remember my first time, first times being there and just like how intoxicating and amazing, like the, the city is, but I, I'm curious, like, was that a combination of being drawn to New York city and FIT together? I'm curious, kind of like what brought you to, FIT. Yeah, I think what brought me to FIT was that it was an art school and it was a SUNY school. So it was like, you Mm -hmm. know, more on the affordable side. Um, And then uh, New York City just always had a pull for me since I was maybe like 12 or 13 year old, 13 years old. Um, I just remember telling my parents that, that I'm going to New York City. Like, that's what I'm doing. And so I had prepared them for many, many years. I'd never been there before. Mm hmm. I'm guessing I'm trying to remember that. I guess I just got, you know, my, uh, my vision of New York city from books and movies, but, um, and just realizing that it was just, and, and from the artists that I love too. Right. So many of the artists, uh, were there, were from, were making things in New York city. So, um, yeah. So when it came time for me to pick a college and I got into FIT and they, my parents had been totally prepared. And so the first time I went to um, New York city was actually my parents driving me there. Wow. For, that's, for school. that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, those, I, I'd imagine those first, that first month, first year, like it must've been just so transformational. I think college is, all, is a really transformational experience for a lot of people, but um, what, what, what were you kind of being drawn into in New York, uh, in the beginning there? I don't, like, there's just so much to, to take in. I don't know if, if you have any kind of things that were really, um, connecting with you when, when you got, got there. I mean, um, I, I was, I was the person in my high school that was like the different one that had like the colored hair or the, um, you know, the band t-shirts, the, I was just like the more different one, you know, piercings Mm -hmm. or whatever. So coming to New York city, um, it was just like, Oh, like I found that I could be myself because it seemed like everyone here was, you know, just kind of expressing themselves more freely as opposed to where I grew up in Buffalo, like South Buffalo was just kind of people. It just seemed like people all dressed the same and were into the same music. And it just seemed too small town for me. So like, so in New York city was amazing. Just people from all over the world, people doing just people just being themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think that is something that I've found is just being around 
such a wide range of people. It's just like, it might be a little uncomfortable because you're not like, I'm from Boston. And when I meet like a guy from Boston, we inevitably start talking about Tom Brady and like Boston sports and everything. But when you're like meeting, uh, I've done kind of traveling and lived abroad for a bit and everything. and, And it's just like, sometimes it takes a little jump to kind of, uh, to talk to people from different backgrounds and with different interests. But I, I think it's, it's so energizing when you do find uh, something when you're learning about other people and, and their backgrounds and, and just talking about different top, top subjects. And I think that's like can summarize or there's just that energy about New York that yeah. I think comes from that diversity and, and people from all different backgrounds and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Awesome. So, um, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do, um, for, for work when you were going to FIT? Was it kind of that art? I had, yeah, I had thought of, I've never been a person that's been really career driven, I guess, but I did know I was going to be doing something creatively because I just couldn't imagine what else I would, you know, bothered to do but um but yeah but also you know living on my own supporting myself um as like a teenager in New York City it was I had to take a lot of different jobs so it was um you know I was working at a coffee shop it was like working at um just doing like random jobs like little boutiques and things like that and then also meeting people that offered me opportunities I kind of jumped at different things just to experience something new. Like I was a off-Broadway stage manager and I did lighting for a little while. And then I worked, yeah. And then I worked at Aveda and I started doing, um, makeup professionally. Like I was taught through Aveda and, and so I pursued being a makeup artist for a little while. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of, um, just kind of like landed, um, as a graphic designer at some point and, that was kind of like the, the more steady career choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did uh, you start kind of getting pulled into the DJ uh, scene and start kind of mixing your music? Um, that was when I was working at um, an advertising company called Grain Gustafson and shout out to, shout out to them. I still, um, I still talk to a lot of people from uh, Grant Gustafson and I, you know, love and respect them. So um, I was working together with a bunch of designers there and it had a lot to do with my starting of DJing and actually of making hot sauce. So uh, my friend, Eric, he, like, ever since I moved to New York city, I'll just backpedal a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like when I was, you know, 17, 18, um, I had started, I'd been exposed to like, Jamaican oldies, like older Jamaican music, Rocksteady, um, ska, you know, some of the older reggae. And I just, I fell in love with it and just started building up a record collection. You know, it's kind of like the only thing I was interested in really to, to collect was um, reggae music without any um, thoughts of mm-hmm. playing it for anyone other than myself or my friends. But um yeah. So then like years later, when I'm working at this graphic design company, my friend Eric, who also had a record collection, 
just kind of pushed me to start a night together. So that's kind of just when I started to play it out at small venues. And then it just kind of kept going from there. And I never said no to a gig. And I just um, kept amassing a collection. And um, with that, learning more about the music and the culture. And so then it became more important to me to um, devote a certain amount of time and energy and mm. um, education to to what I was doing. And I, and I never really wanted to do it as a job. So I always had like a day job, but, um, but then I spent, you know, then I just decided to, you know, really focus and specialize on Jamaican music and, you know, um, had a radio show, weekly parties, um, you know, just trying to support the music and the artists. Wow. Kind of what you mentioned and how you didn't want it to be a, a day job. I think that's, that's great because you can not have as much pressure on that and kind of follow your, your own passions and everything. I, I think uh, I have so much respect for people that are uh, DJs and, and just also have such a great depth of music. Uh, I have one friend that comes to mind who he, he kind of reads, he, he's always like a step or two ahead of people and like re- reading the crowd. Do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But like reading the crowd and then having such, such a depth of knowledge of music, mm-hmm. that must be really hard. Right. <laughs> like, or, like, Okay. probably is probably something that comes over time, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's probably really hard to describe like when you're really in the flow of a set yeah. and, and a night, but I don't know if there's certain things that really go right. Um, when, when you are doing a set. Yeah. It's, I think you can definitely feel it from the audience. Everyone has, you know, it, body language, it's body language, it's the energy, it's, um, I can't say that all of my um, sets have been really successful, but um, the ones that were so memorable and, um, and so, uh, so enjoyable, like fulfilling. Um, and yeah, you just try to get on the same, same wavelength with the crowd. I don't know, it's hard, you just kind of feel what they're responding to. And, yep. you know, so you follow that path. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, we were making hot sauce a couple of weeks ago and we we're listening to a, a couple of your sets and there is a, a Michael Jackson one. And it just like, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to listen to and make hot sauce too. But oh, was, yeah. was, there, was there a connection with that with like, as you mentioned, you were doing hot sauce at the same time. So like, were was the energy kind of feeding off one another with the, the music and, and hot sauce? Um, I don't know. I'm not, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like they're related in the way of like, even just how to describe them, uh, you know, like making mixes and, you know, uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm basically, sometimes I just, I think of a sets as DJ sets as recipes almost, yeah. you know, and then, you know, um, yeah, just working with the right ingredients to create an enjoyable experience for people, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I would love to hear about your uh, your hot sauces because you have three hot sauces um, and 
yeah, I mean, th- like three, they're... three or three main ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So can you describe the, the three different flavors and different kind of, uh, yeah. recipes and everything? So uh, the first one that I came up with was one that I had been making for a long time. Um, again, back to like my job at Gray and Gustafson working with my friends there, we had, uh, we were super, super obsessed with hot sauce We'd bring in our own homemade hot sauces for lunch. We had probably it was like 10 years of um, yearly hot sauce um, competitions. And so I got really used to making my own style of hot sauce. I never followed any particular recipe. It was really just trial and error from, from, from you know, the basics like vinegar, salt, and peppers, right? And then mm-hmm. you just kind of like go from there. Uh, so one that I had kind of landed on that I kept making over and over was this scotch bonnet and ginger sauce. And also because, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of, um, uh, Caribbean music, Caribbean culture, um, Jamaican food, you know, so I wanted to kind of, I, I made that sauce to go to not compete with that or to be its own, like, like jerk thing. It's mm-hmm. really just to, I wanted it to go with Caribbean food, like f- flavors like the ginger and some of the other ingredients in there I thought it would go really well on um with some Caribbean cuisine so that's our first one scotch bonnet and ginger um yeah we we use uh fresh ingredients for all of the sauces that's been really important to me and I think that that's kind of what makes our sauce um taste particularly good is just using good ingredients and fresh ingredients. And then, um, so the second sauce that we came up with was the jalapeno tequila and lime. Cause I wanted something that was not quite as hot. And then something that just had a completely different flavor profile. And I was drinking a lot of spicy margaritas at the time, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, Hmm, how can I turn this spicy margarita into a hot sauce? And, uh, so yeah, that's jalapeno tequila and lime. Then I thought that the lineup needed something hotter than the Scotch Bonnet and like a totally different flavor than the other two. So that's the red habanero and black coffee. And habanero is such a strong flavor that I was doing all these experiments to, to kind of find another strong flavor that, that balanced out the habanero. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it just, um, to me, that ended up being coffee just something that kind of just worked well with it. And, um, took, do you, so yeah. do you put like coffee as the liquid or, or is it kind of yeah, coffee? We, yeah, yeah. Like, a um, coffee infused vinegar. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's cause all of our, all of our sauces have a vinegar base. And then for that one, we use, we make our own coffee infused vinegar. Very cool. Nice. I, I think um, that's something that I've seen and heard a few people doing with kind of making like a cilantro vinegar or mm. and just adding and infusing vinegar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was actually going to make a non-vinegar hot sauce section on my website. I mean, there are definitely non-vinegar hot sauces, but every single one that that I carry did have vinegar in there, but I think there's still a lot of creativity that you can use without it. What's the non-vinegar hot sauces? Are they oil-based or what's... I think um, this, 
I, I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't find any <laughs> that are, uh, I mean, there, I'm, I know there's some out there and I think some can be uh, fermented that just bring down, but those are raw and, and um, aren't kind of shelf stable. They're active probiotic. Um, right. So yeah, but I, I think it's when it's cool to think about all, all the different things that you can do to every single recipe, whether that be smoking it, sauteing it, uh, like fermenting it or, or adding different uh, variations to it. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool from coming up with a lot of other small batch makers is seeing what people do. I feel like lately I've seen more things of, I don't want to say like copying, but when I see newer hot sauce companies that have very similar lineups to my sauces, I get unexcited by that. <laughs> to say the least. And I just feel like I'm, I just want to encourage small makers to kind of experiment with their own flavors. You know, I guess they, yep. maybe they are, and maybe it just seems to, maybe they used ours as inspiration and then changed a couple things. I'm not really sure, but, but it is, it is fun to um, like be part of the small craft hot sauce world and, um, and, and, you know, see how each, each company goes about making their sauces. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like everyone does it differently. There's no rule book, you know? So it's interesting to see what people, how people have chosen to make theirs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my, I think my, uh, favorite recipes are when people just like stumble upon it. <laughs> and that was like the first time I ever made hot sauce. I was like, huh, I like have way too many habaneros and ghost peppers to eat. So like, what do I do? And then there was just like pumpkin in the field behind me. And I was like, huh, I like this. And then it's just like, exactly. uh, I think it's those moments where you're just like, whoa, I've never tasted something like this. And that's what excites me because yep. I still come across those hot sauces a lot. Um, you, you guys cook your, your hot sauces, uh, still today, which, which is really cool, especially since like considering how much you've scaled. And I want to talk about that in a moment, but do you have a favorite hot sauce to cook? I think it's the scotch bonnet and ginger. I don't know. I just, I love how it smells and, um, it's kind of the easiest one to make in a way. Um, it's the other one. I don't know. It's like, I feel like even though we use the exact recipe each time, they all come out a little differently each time, no matter if you yeah. use the exact same measurements, you know, it's just, that's the beauty, I guess, of using, um, fresh ingredients. Um, but I feel like that one gives me the least amount of trouble. <laughs> so I like that one the best. Nice. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I have my favorite one is uh our, our verde hot sauce mm, why? but it's by far the hardest one to do oh, just because okay. there's there's we actually have we kind of did overload with ingredients we have 21 ingredients in there so it always takes a lot longer there's a lot of washing of cilantro and and uh peeling the uh, wow tomatillos and apples and everything but um it's it just yeah i, I don't know there is because i think i've talked to a lot of people that make their hot sauce and they describe a feeling where they're cooking with the people in their crew and they all kind of like know what they're doing. And that kind of when, whether you're bottling or, or 
whatever you're doing in the cook, there's a lot of moments where you're just like having really real conversations or, or you're not like talking and then something funny happens. But uh, can you describe a little bit about your crew uh, and uh, the, the people on your team? Sure. Um, I have, uh, there's three full-time people right now and about four part-time people. And one of my full-time people, he's, I've been working with him for, um, for many years. Like I would say about five years now. So he, he reads my mind. He really (laughs) does. Like I will be thinking something and he will basically respond to it. It's amazing. I don't even know how he does it, but it happens all the time. We're both Scorpios too. So I think that maybe that has something to do with it. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just on the same wavelength. So I, that's much appreciated. And that we we basically have like a, a kitchen side and an office side, you know. So, yeah, we do manufacture our sauces ourselves still um, in Long Island City. We have our own commercial kitchen space. Nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's um, it's uh, it's cool because I get to maintain the quality in house and. I'm I'm really picky about the quality of our sauce, so so I get to just see it every day, you know, and and just be on top of that. But then, you know, that's also just like a, a full time job in and of itself, in yeah. a way, you know. So it's it's hard because like when you when you are manufacturing it yourself, you're running a factory, so you're running a hot sauce business, and you're running a manufacturing company, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people have chosen to do co-packing and that's, that's, that's a whole other ball game. And I'm sure that has like a lot of its own um, issues as well. But yeah, so f- for now we just are sticking to doing it ourselves back to the team. Yeah. It's um, they're just nice people. I'm just really grateful to, to, you know, have attracted nice people that want to work here. And I try to take really good care of people. And, you know, I don't think that I have to necessarily follow these like business rules, like these traditional business rules, you know, I, I can, I can like, of course, like, you know, following like legal parameters, obviously, but, you know, I just want to like offer people perks and, you know, I'm just, I put, I, I really, it's important to me to put everyone, including myself, everyone's quality of life as, as a main priority. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, it's hot sauce. Like <laughs> it's not, we're not, you know, it's something that's great to share and enjoy, but it's not, it doesn't need to be taken like so seriously that people working here aren't having an, a, a good quality of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm sure like, as you've grown, um, you've had to pick up and develop kind of leadership skills, uh, and, and team building. Cause it, it, it's really hard to grow a team and, and, and also, um, kind of watch out for yourself as well, because I, I think a lot of people and, and leaders will kind of watch out for their teammates and for their, uh, their crew first before thinking about themselves. So it, it's great to hear that you're thinking about your, yourself and including yourself on the team as well. But what are some of the, like kind of the biggest lessons that you've learned as you've kind of handed off some 
leadership lessons as you've had to hand off responsibility and, and grow? I mean, that's the thing. It's that's, that's like the number one thing that can be hard. I think for some, um, new entrepreneurs is handing off responsibility. Just even that, just like delegating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's hard because you've done everything yourself, you know? So I started this company by myself. I've been, um, you know, I, I, I own hundred percent of the company. I'm the one who's running it on a daily basis. So it's yeah. For me doing hundred percent of the work to figuring out how to delegate, that was, that was a big step in and of itself. I've learned that you have to be very specific to be fair to you, to be fair to yourself and to your team. You need to be on the same page of what the expectations are, mm-hmm. you know? So I just think that you really have to like, if you want someone who's detail oriented, why, why do they need to be detail oriented? Well, they need to make sure that the expiration dates are correct and this, and you, ha- and then just like list it out and just be on the same page. And then there's, there's a lot less, um, confusion and frustration and then yeah and then also I like to lead by example I would never ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't do or probably haven't done for years already and um and just I think if they see how invested you are and how you want success for everyone you know and it's not just your company it's really like our company and i'm trying to figure out even more ways to get um to make that a reality to like share share the company with the people in it um but yeah i just feel like once you if you all have a goal that you can all understand and are working towards and believe in then it makes it a lot easier to um to be inspired. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Erica. Sure. Um, well, I, I know, like, I don't know w- what rank you are on Amazon, but you're, you're, you're a, a popular hot sauce. And we've had, I think, quite a few, at least three people said that they've been kind of inspired uh, to start uh, making hot sauce after tasting yours and just how incredible so it nice. is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, I'm just, cool. it, it's the truth. Um and, uh, but yeah, can you describe like kind of trajectory of your hot sauce? Because I think the whole industry has really grown in the, the past five, five years even. Definitely. Um, but what, were there kind of moments where you're like, whoa, this is <laughs> bigger than I initially, I, I'm sure there were moments, but uh, I'd love to learn a little bit about that kind of trajectory that, uh. If, if there were any like particular moments where you started, I guess, I guess uh, even thinking about kind of what that journey was, I, I've seen pictures of you at farmer's markets where I, I'm, where I think a lot of people start, which is probably yeah. the best place to start. Um, I think so. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's hard to speak to that in a, in, in an ongoing pandemic. It's really sad that yeah. that's not, you know, as much of a starting point for small businesses as it, as it was for me, but that was, that was huge because you get feedback on your product in real time, you know, and you have, which is like so insanely valuable and, um, you, you can make connections. And, you know, I also made connections like for stores, you know, owners of stores would come by and, um, taste the hot sauce at these markets. And, you know, so I got a lot of accounts from that as well, but then, um, 
I was also just like going door to door, like, like <laughs> literally like, I guess that's easy, like easier in Manhattan or New York city when there's just so many doors to go to in a short Did, did you have of kind of like a, a granny cart with hot <laughs> sauce? Uh, um, I, I don't remember what I was carrying it around in, but, um, I know those granny carts annoy me so much. They're so, <laughs> they're so like, uh, unpredictable and rickety. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, something like that, I'm sure. And, um, but yeah, so, you know, making like, this is what I can suggest for small companies too. Just like, just really finding out what buyers are at what stores, um, just visiting them, just like dropping by. Um, like we got into, I think one of the more exciting stores at first was Dean and DeLuca. And then, you know, I realized that, um, you know, it wasn't just hot sauce stores that I wanted to be in. It was gourmet stores. It was health food stores. It was, it just seemed like I had a lot of ideas for um, where I saw it. Yep. Saw the sauce being sold. And, and you, you know? probably got that a little bit from the people at farmer's markets or, sure. or that were most resonating with it and yep. thinking about where are those people as yeah. well. And that's, but, and then, and also from how I felt about the sauce as well, though. It's like mm. I, I considered it to be this healthy sauce without preservatives, without dyes, without. So I was like, okay, you know, let's see what's going on at, you know, um, more, more gourmet or um, mom and pop food shops that would be interested in carrying a more expensive hot sauce, but, you know, one with more quality. Yeah. Then, then your average marketplace sauce and your average grocery store sauce, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, and then I, I know like, uh, we've had a few folks that were, uh, had their hot sauces on, on hot ones. And, and that yeah. seems kind of an, an exciting trajectory. Was, was Super that exciting. Kind of, uh, I mean, and obviously you have a, a close relationship with, uh, kind of first we feast and heatness being in Brooklyn and everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I met Noah at Noah from Hedonist. Noah is one of the owners of Hedonist. I met him at some night market in Brooklyn, and he w- it, w- it was like a smorgasbord, but it was like a farmers market, but it was at night in a club. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, yeah, and he was selling these hot sauces on a cart, and um, I was talking to him. I told him I had a hot sauce. I dropped some off to him. I think like the next day or whenever, and. Um, he, we just forged like a friendship and business relationship through that. We actually launched our red habanero and black coffee hot sauce at, at the hedonist store. When it first came out, we like threw a big party, which was really fun. And then we did a, I think it was the, for the two year anniversary of their store, we made the charcoal ghost sauce with them. Um, it was just like a collab they had these ideas, like they were basically, um, Tyler and Noah were basically, and Kristen were basically like, oh, we, we see something with charcoal and plums. I was like, okay, hmm, all right. And then it just kind of like put something together, um, with, with those things in mind. So, yeah, so that was fun. And then, you know, you know, the hot ones, the hot ones thing was amazing. Like, um, you know, hedonists 
curates the sauces and, you know, has a lot of input onto that show. And, you know, Sean Evans is great. And, um, you know, first we feast and the producers, like, I, it was just like, it, you know, so many well-aligned things just gelled to make that show super successful. And yeah, we were on some of the earlier seasons, seasons three and four, and it definitely took our company up a notch, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's times where that up a notch is, is something that like a lot of people strive for that can also be the hardest times. Were, were, there, were there times where you thought this w- isn't going to work out or? Um, luckily, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I haven't come to that point yet because I just, I'm a problem solver. So if I see a challenge, I, I just, it's fun for me. I was just like, okay, well, let's just figure it out, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it wasn't that it was like, besides being a problem solver though, I'm also a little bit, um, laid back or, you know, I appreciate being pushed, you know, I can often just, um, enjoy like a slow, like just building something slowly. So those pushes are, I think necessary for me in a way. And I, I welcome them. Um, yeah. And is the, and then, yeah. And then, um, Sean Evans actually came to our kitchen and we did a little hot sauce video with him where I came up with two recipes. So that, you know, that pushes me, that, that pushed me out of my comfort zone too, because I'm definitely, if I had to say, I, I'm definitely on the shire side. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't thrive in front of a camera, you know, it's, I'm more of like a deer in headlights, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but it's fun to be pushed into um, uncomfortable things like that, you know. Yeah, and and I feel like with uh, the the more that the longer that you're at it as a business owner or, or even a freelance uh, artist, like that is really tough. And you also have to learn how to sell, negotiate, deliver product. It, it, it's on. It is you're on an entrepreneur if you're kind of a freelancer as well. Um, but I feel like the more you face problems and find ways to work around them, kind of the more momentum and confidence and just knowledge that you can build uh, doing that. Definitely. And I think that it's also easier to do all of those things when, you know, when in your head, you're thinking of it as taking one for the team, you know, where it's not even about you. It's about the company and the success of like you and everyone who's with you. So, you know, like taking yourself out of it almost helps me to just not be as um, shy or work, you know, it kind of, that pushes me too. Yep. You know, if I had to give some more advice to up and coming entrepreneurs or Mm -hmm. small batch business owners too, I would just to go back to my um, original point is you know, if you stay, if you have your own vision and you stay true to your own vision, then you can't really go wrong. If you're not veering off of that, you know what I mean? Cause like you'll get faced with a lot of hard decisions. And if you don't have your, you know, kind of your core and and, yeah, your, your core mission, your core values, your core, everything then, and you know, you're what you're about and 
you know, then it's going to be a lot harder to know where you're going. Yeah. 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 And I, and I, I'm sure that's kind of changed a little bit over. It can evolve years. for yeah. sure. Yeah. I guess I can leave it off with this question in terms of where is the kind of the, the vision in the future uh, for Queen Majesty? Okay. Yes. Well, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of thinking about that and it's, you know, you start this thing and you're like, okay, this is really cute. I'm, you know, making a couple bottles of hot sauce and, you know, I'm selling it at a farmer's market. And then when you start realizing like, okay, this is taking on like a lot larger scale, you're like, okay, back to my, what I just said, it's like, where are we going? You know, do maybe I don't feel comfortable growing this big until we really have a stronger foundation of, let's say, sustainability and um, making sure our supply chain is clean. You know, so it's, so my next step of growth to me, of what's important to me is, is building our foundation, like just Mm -hmm. making sure our foundation is a lot stronger. I, I don't, you know, it, it's nice to see like your revenue grow, but also um, I would rather it grow um, in a responsible way. Yeah. You know? With the kind of the impact because yep. there's, I think it's incredible and, and I've seen it, but on just a very small scale, but it, I think hot sauce can be such a great, truly value add product from sourcing and working with farmers or, yep. uh, I mean, we had, uh, Daniel from small ox peppers talking about how he, they work with community gardens. Um, yeah. I love working, small ox peppers. Yeah. Yeah, love those guys. And, yeah. And then working with the shops to try to collaborate and bring awareness. And a lot of times those can be independent family owned shops and, 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 and just, even the events and farmers markets and community, like you, a lot of times it's hard to put a number and it's not on the balance sheet or or profit and loss, but there's all those relationships and things that I, I'm I'm sure I know you've made a big impact, but I think that that's cool because at, yeah, there is a lot of pressure. It's hard to get, move from a thousand peppers harvested in a year to, I don't, I don't know what you're at, but tens of thousands of, of peppers um, once you get to a certain point and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just turns it into a different ball game. And I just, I feel like um, I, I'm most comfortable just, you know, going back to even why I wanted to move to New York in the first place was that I just, um, I like being different and I like, I like being able to write your own rules. And I just think that that's possible for business too. And, and to, and to figure out just to try to innovate and figure out like how, how to grow something like this. But um, yeah, with all the necessary elements to make it a good decision, not just for, our bottom line, but for everyone, you know? Yeah. Awesome, Erica. Thank you for tuning into the Craft Hot Sauce podcast and a special thanks to Queen Majesty for doing her thing and taking her time to share more with us. 
If you're interested in learning more about other maker stories uh, from hot sauce makers all over the world, we have a bunch of written stories and podcast episodes that you can browse on our website, crafthotsauce.com. We'd appreciate it if you tell a friend about our podcast. Um, we also love feedback and advice too, so drop us a line and leave us a review if you feel so inclined. We'll catch you next time though, so go out, enjoy the day, and enjoy the song by Johnny Go Figure, Thin Like That. Chemistry, nobody can destroy. Take a little of the pain, take a little of the joy. The natural balance of the yin and the yang. Don't you play with love because you know it's no game. Laws of attraction, if you put in on the action, you will get your satisfaction. That's the part of the play. Say one moment you love me, and another you leave me. Saying I never do a thing like that. You say you want this forever, but this looks all the same. Said I never do a thing like that, but now I know. So you can go, and I'll be on my own. It was all for the taking, but my love you forsaken. Said I Oh,